Welcome everybody back to the Paradise Podcast Network. My name is Corey Paradise and I will be one of your hosts for today as we take a drive down into the middle of nowhere and confront what can only be called a purgatory as we face our demons and nightmares in today's episode of PPN at the Movies. Season 2, Episode 2, coming at you. Got my friends here, Alfredo Garibay and Scooty Scott Borgstrom. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, you know. Saw saw this film a while ago. Wanted to share it with you guys, and now we watched it. And now we're here. <laughs> now we and now here it. we are. Now we're here. What do we do? Is it a? a <laughs> That's a perfect summation of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the show and now we're here. Yeah. Well, what did you guys think of it? Is a I guess before we before we do what you think of it, mm-hmm. right off the bat, this is a little bit different than any movie we've covered so far. This is considered an anthology, a couple of vignettes or stories tied around a central theme or idea. And I think to that this movie did a really cool job with that kind of genre and and take. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, the ending definitely was like what to me, you know? Um, like in a good way, like a yeah, or, where I was like, big, like, oh what? shit, because the whole time I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Because it's so like it's it's almost like staring into a painting and expecting an explanation for everything in it but the painter's dead (laughs) like nobody's gonna explain it to you you know yeah um and the like in the thing the the film just resumes like it doesn't care to explain it doesn't like it just presents itself and what you see is what you get um but yeah overall i i liked this movie i want to share it with y'all what about you, Scott? Uh, I mean, there there are some, <laughs> like a couple stories um, that really didn't click with me. Like in the beginning, it didn't really click with me with both Mitch and what was his name? Um, Jack. It was Mitch and Jack? Yeah, Mitch and Jack. They didn't they didn't click with me in the beginning, but I really wanted to find out like what their story was. So I'm kind of glad it looped around towards them at the end. Mm. But um. You know, I was telling Corey this, but like that scene at the hospital, it, it lost me. That scene at the hospital lost me. I, I can't, I can't do like the gory, gory human stuff. But um, I, I, I enjoyed it for the most part, though. I didn't think it was that great. I thought it. I thought it was good. Um, what, what part of it do you say lacked the most? Like, you obviously don't like the medical stuff, but other than that, you know. That's kind of a biased hit. What what kind of objectionary piece of this didn't you didn't you like as much? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the movies where it's like at its weakest is the the scene with the um ah oh, what's his name with the guy with the shotgun that comes into the bar and he's looking for his sister Jesse I think right um it, it oh, feels like a tattoo shop or something yeah yeah no it was a bar I think right it was a bar oh okay right. Um, and the guy, the guy, the bartender had a tattoo and whatnot, but, um, it, it just felt like out of place to me. It didn't really feel like. So that scene was definitely at a bar 
Sorry, yeah. I had to shut a couple things off. Fine. That scene was definitely at a bar. Uh, that takes place, that's the third story in this anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, fourth, I'm sorry, fourth yes, story. Fourth. Yeah, yeah, because you've got this scene at the hospital. It comes in after the hospital. Um, strangely enough, I found that story to be the most intriguing out of all of them. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're talking about like the lore of Southbound, the lore of this highway. I feel mm-hmm. like the that one was kind of the most revealing of what's going on and kind of what, you know, what this whole piece of, of place is kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you, you guys pick up on that? I mean, it was a yeah, weird I, one. So one of the things that stood out to me was I think all the signs in the movie point like South. Like, I think that's where the movie got its name, mm-hmm. which also implies like hell, you know, which like, you can kind of yeah. or purgatory. I thought yeah. it was hell since it's since it loops. Purgatory is kind of like hell's like you're in it. <laughs> like you're there's a uh, there's a, a interesting little like um, piece of detail. I don't know if you guys caught it. Um, they're in the in the first story when uh, Mitch and Jack pull up to Roy's cafe for the first time and they get out and they they go in and they they check in. You know, this is actually kind of a verbatim of where the beginning of the story begins. I mean, that's how it it all begins, is you're just kind of plopped into this world with mm-hmm. these characters already mid-trauma going through stuff, bloodied and, and everything. And then you're just expected to kind of pick up the pieces, and they already see the Reapers that are floating around, and you're already kind of like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. But they get to Roy's and they enter in. They the cashier's there, but playing on one of the te- televisions is an old movie. Did you catch that? I remember I don't seeing know a couple what... old movie, um, old movies sprinkled out throughout the whole movie, right? Um, and yeah. it almost feels deliberate. Yeah. Right? So that one in the beginning is called Carnival of Souls, and it was it was like released in 1962 or something, and it's about a woman who supposedly it has a car accident and then she gets she actually comes out of it alive and then she and not hurt at all and then goes through this whole kind of mind-bending thing i tried to hmm. watch it today but there were ads on this streaming service and i said you ads <laughs> you're not winning but but it's kind of symbolic i think that that movie is supposed to depict this kind of hellish like yeah purgatory and and i think that it's better to call it a purgatory honestly because of the medical story mm-hmm. because of the doctor's story and i think we can maybe get there maybe as we cover the stories as it goes along but that one kind of there's the outcome to that one tells you something about the way this whole place works and then the fourth story really kind of elaborates on what exists here um but the first one gets us in you know the two the two uh guys Mitch and Jack come rolling into uh, an unmarked highway. That's kind of another thing I like is that there's no, there's no number or anything. It's just like you just blow past the sign. You, you can just easily do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the other thing I love. This is a trope that I love specifically to me. This is something I freaking love. Is I love radio. There's something about it that is like maybe this is a a part of like being a nineties kid, you know, still like 
we I grew up with pogs, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I love when radio is introduced to things because there's like a freedom. There's like a there's a sense of rebellion or mystique to to radio. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know who's broadcasting. It could be anybody. It could be that dude in his van sitting on the peak. You know, who knows? Like it's kind of this fun aspect i love that so as they have this re this narrator on the radio kind of chiming <laughs> in and and guiding the stories along oh i just it like doesn't matter that's it's already a point like we're going up this is it has my interest before we get going it doesn't even have to work that hard <laughs> but uh so roy mitch they go to the uh they go or not roy i'm sorry mitch and jack go to roy's and uh, and they have quite a bit of an experience there. Let's say. So they they um they go they clean up they have a they encounter one of these reapers in the bathroom and it chokes him out. What are you doing, man? You know, um, and you see him in the mirror. And I didn't go through the film and really look and parse through it, but apparently you can see the reapers in every stage. Of this, you know, in every story, they appear mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, so that gets him, and then outside, Mitch sees one outside. So they quickly get in the truck and they drive off. And like a like a Pac Man stage reverting itself, they just come back in on the other side of the road and right back into Roy's. Yeah, that's. A can I say the delivery for this whole scene that we're just that is being described right now is just so funny. He comes in, and he goes. What the fuck? Drives off, come back. Same delivery. Same exact delivery. Just, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> I need a cut of this where he does that like eight times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool though. Because... It's just like the Reaper in the back just does something different. Like on when he's like balancing his fucking arm or something on his, on his hood. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like in the back. Like just keeping it steady. He's like, oh, yeah, like the next one, oh, two of them are oh. playing like ping pong on a table or something, right? You start but changing But no, it's cool the way they... Um... <laughs> It's cool the way they they do the transition where they show the car driving off and then they slowly pan the camera uh, with the focus on the um, with the I want to say the clerk right the yeah the yeah. gas attendant yeah and then it pans the back to the truck and then what the fuck <laughs> right um, I I think I think the movie has a lot of well done shots but I, I this, dude that that scene is really funny to me I don't know. <laughs> There's something about the whole setting of this town that that always does kind of it, the movie doesn't scare me, you know, but there are ideas that fester and are kind of like in a way hit home. Like when I was in college and I was driving out between San Diego and Phoenix, you know, every couple months or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a 6-hour drive in the middle of the desert. And it's three hours to Yuma. You know, either way, it's three hours to Yuma. That's your checkpoint. <clears throat> but between Yuma and Phoenix, there's this town called Gia Ben. And it's just like this, man. It's this weird, like, there's like a UFO motel, you know? <laughs> like, who knows how many people actually stay in this town. This is a town you drive through to get to Phoenix, you know? And there's just, I don't know, I've been on that road so much, I've, I've had to take a piss and pull off and go onto a gas station that's like, you know, 
a quarter mile off of the freeway and the only building for miles and there's the you know the the bathroom is just a like a series of bricks you know lined up with a hole in the ground and it's like it's pretty sketch and you walk to your yeah. car and you no book thanks. it out of there no yeah thanks. pretty places like that you know where your objective is to leave them as soon as you can yeah and i guess the, i guess what i'm saying is like this is one of those places where it's not just a movie set for me like i can picture one of these places to a T, because I've been through them so many times. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really gets your imagination going, too. Of like, oh, that could have happened to me at that time. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, dude. And you can't help, but, like, when you're on those long drives in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, that you think, and you look at your phone, you got one-ass bar, and you're like, if this is not good, you know, like, this is not where you want to stop. This is, like, stories of... of stopping like this in the middle of nowhere man they get to you because it because you are at like the mercy of someone coming along like the girls in the next story mm-hmm. you know and and plus it's like i've been through that and then there was a time up here in the pacific northwest where i'm we drove through like essentially the the equivalent to a desolate desert road but in the mountains of trees and that's it's like a completely different kind of of scary but driving man there's something about the drivingness to this whole aspect of it is just that one day you could wander into this plane and you don't even know it you know mm-hmm. so let's jump a, a little head further let's jump okay. ahead a little further and mitch and jack break down they they driving on the road gets you nowhere, just gets you back to Roy's. All roads lead to Roy's, apparently. So he turns off the road and heads off into the desert. And he stops for a second, and they both get out of the car, and they start arguing. And this is the first time that a Reaper now sits in view, and we get to see it for, you know, literally, you know, actually what it is, instead of this ominous figure out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh... And what do those things look like? And one of you guys, can you guys describe that to everyone? Because it's, uh, they're a weird Lovecraftian creature. No, Lovecraftian's definitely the right word. Um, they're, um, it, they're it like... kind of looks like a, like a skeleton with some <laughs> stripped angel wings. And somebody was like, oh, they made your eyeballs look mean. Let's just put a little hood on that, buddy. <laughs> but they but they had to keep all the guts. Oh, of course. Do they have guts? Yeah, they got these like weird like viscera like Mortal Kombat guts that, yeah. that come out the bottom of them. It's like Almost like tentacles. Skeleton, yeah. they, oh, you're right. And you know what else? They ain't got no legs. Ain't got no legs. They ain't got no legs. Well, they got wings too, which is pretty creepy. Yeah, well, they got wing bones, but they ain't got no wings. Well, we get to see one of these things in action here in this scene and uh this is where he flies up and attacks jack in the car and he gets out of the car and he asks what do you want from me you know they try to figure out what are these things doing chasing them and you guys remember what uh 
what Jack or what Mitch says to that kind of gives us a hint to what this world is. No. No. He says they've come to collect because they are reapers. You know, we've fucked mm. up. Yeah. Like th- okay. they've done something to to deserve this fate. That's mm-hmm. kind of why they run is because one of them says like I'm not going home. You think we're going home? We can't go home after what we did. We don't know what they did. Yeah. So and then this That's is right. uh the Jack gets attacked and the thing shoves its hand down his throat and like splits his mouth open like the Joker. And uh, and that was like when it happened. When that scene happened, it's like a whoa. <laughs> oh, dude! It comes out of nowhere. Like this thing happens like super fast, right? Like it it jars you a little bit, and then you're like, okay, well, he's dead now, you know. But like the speed of which this thing goes is insane. It's it's like almost the next frame, you know. Yeah. Um, but the visual effects on it are fucking fantastic. Though. Yeah, it was I, like. It was for sure like a whoa moment. Like, yeah. was like not... when you fight uh, Wesker in Resident Evil 5, me. but he's not like, he's not hittable. So he's just fucking, you know, uh, like in a single yeah. frame. Oh, like a blur. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's weird is that Jack dies, but Mitch doesn't. Um, perhaps no, this just, is. He's just kind of left to keep looking for his daughter endlessly. Well, yeah, they lead him to that motel room. Mm-hmm. They they beckon him over. And it's not just one, it's multiple reapers now. It's three reapers. Dang. They beckon him I over think to his the... throat's big enough for two. Damn. What? They they motion him over to the motel room and he enters in and he enters into it's weird. He enters into a ho- motel room with gunshot bullets. And, and yeah. blood all over the wall. It's like a and, David Finch story that like has a bunch of the little details that are never explained. Yeah, because he goes into there, and, and that's David just like Lynch. a motel room. And then he, the door closes behind him, and it startles him. And so he goes back to check on the door that just shut, and he opens that. And instead of the outside that he just came from, it's the inside of this house, like some house. And then he walks through that, and then when his back's turned, like some cheeky game developer using your camera against you, it cha- it like renders in a new setting behind him to fit the rest of the house. So that motel room he initially goes into is not a part of the house. It's it's weird. Everything gets changed, and he, com- he gets completely teleported. Hmm. Well, my, my thing is, and I was thinking about this as the movie ended, maybe... Maybe the house he's in at the beginning is the house where, you know, and, and to skip ahead, it's the house at the end of the movie, right? Um, That, that kind of explains where they are. I don't know. It might be. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's but, that's what I got, but um, I could be entirely wrong. Be well, there's something that we never, there's a questions that we never get answered. And one of them is, what what's up with the girl? That he chases here. So when he goes into this house, he gets teleported to this random house. He then he, he hears a voice of a girl. And this harkens back because this is something we didn't mention, but in the very first scene that we have of Mitch and Jack riding in on this freeway, or on this highway, I should say, mm-hmm. um, Mitch is 
looking at a picture of a young girl. And so now at this house that he's mysteriously found himself in, he hears this call of this girl and he sees, and it's the girl from the photo. So it's ostensibly like his daughter or connected to her in some way. And as we will learn, you know, no one is, is it, is it called Southbound? No one is in Southbound. Like, without a reason. So there's something tied to this girl, and the girl comes up later on in the last story where everything kind of overarcs mm-hmm. and comes together. But we never figure out what happened to the girl, why the girl is so important. We don't know. It's, that's never answered. Hmm. But he sees this girl in this house, and he chases after her, and he chases through, chases through, and he, and it just seems like she's always one step out of out of reach. Always just one step around every corner he's running he gets exhausted and then he starts to get delusional and confused and the voice starts coming from all directions and then the camera slowly kind of tracks itself out of the room uh, and fades through the door and just for a a split moment just for a split second you can see one of the the creatures standing in the room um here Um, the little girl is given a name. Her name's Catherine. And yes. It's, Isn't yeah. it his daughter? Yeah, it's a daughter. But we uh... never know quite what happened to her. You yeah, know, no. As we, we'll learn, just... like, if the last story, the, that family had something to do. The dad had something to do with her. We just don't know what. Hmm. But yeah, in this picture, it might be a little hard to see. Let me zoom in. You can see, uh... Oh, you could definitely see it, but at first glance, it's almost like a palm tree, which is what I thought. Or maybe like a decorative tree in the room. And when it happens so fast, it's like less than a second because the camera tracks backwards and fades through a wall. And then you're back outside of the motel. And this is one of the best. This is what I like about this film. Film has great transitions between stories. That's obvious. You know, it's obvious chapter, you know, changes, you know. It's a definite story transition, Mm -hmm. but it's so well melded into the next story that you could miss it if you weren't paying attention, especially like between this next story and the one that follows it. Mm -hmm. So as the camera tracks out of the out of the room, we follow a maid who, who, you know, puts a uh, a do not disturb sign over that motel room's door that the man's trapped behind. And she continues down the motel's walkway past another door and the camera stays locked on this door because it opens up and we're introduced to the three characters of our next story, Sadie, Ava, and Sutter, uh, three girls that... Oh, as Kim. Who? Kim. Are you sure? Was it Kim? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kim was the Kim was the blonde haired girl. That's right. I looked all this up earlier. Cause Sadie Sadie's the the quote unquote main one of the three, right? Kim is the one that really yeah, likes a... alcohol, warm beer, right? Yeah, Kim is the blonde one with the red hat. Yeah, the beanie, if you would, and then. Oh, I was looking at the the mother later or daughter later. I forget. Okay, so Kim, Kim, Ava, and Sadie. Um, these three girls form a 
a, a band of which we get no name. Um, they're called the, hold on. They're called the White Tights. I don't know where that came in. You just, you're reading a, a Wikipedia at this point. Yeah. Um, I am actually. I got, you know? Yeah, I got I need something. I went I southbound else. to get it. Well, I not believe the effort. <laughs> we just got to do it on camera. Um, the the girls formed this band, and they are they stayed at Roy's over over the night, and they for some reason they survived the night. Only and the now, two can boys. I just say too? Um. The most unrealistic thing about this isn't the demons or 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 the guy that turns into a demon. It's the fact that these three girls can actually afford that fucking Volkswagen ban- uh, bus. It, it's pretty van. cherry. That's um not possible these days. Those things are worth way too much. You don't tell me three girls in an indie band have one. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, well, how much are they making? What's your fucking, annual salary? That's some fucking daddy money. And, the devil and was nice to them for a little while, honestly. They all got they all decided to get rid of the spare tire to make room for whatever bullshit that they towed yeah, the around in there. It was the all the yeah. all the warm beer. An all-girl band probably needed that space for their tampons. Ooh. They had a fridge. You saw that, right? Like I wasn't well, like they had a fridge. Tampons in a fridge. I thought they had an icebox. An icebox? Man, they yeah. should have. Why didn't they stock up with ice from the motel? There's no reason they should have cold beer. I don't know. I don't know. But they're drinking warm beer well, on the side have, of the We road. don't know how Flat long on the southbound highway they have to travel. Right. They they may have like Jack and and Mitch. They may have just instead of repeating Roy's, they could have just been repeating like like Wiley Coyote in the desert, just running through the same you know backdrop for miles and miles and miles. You never know. Well, they get stranded. They blow a a, a tire as they, they leave Roy's. And another photo shows up. You know, this is kind of a... They do it two times in a row, and they don't do it again. Um, but the Sadie, which kind of becomes the main character for this for this story. Fucking um, vegetarians. <laughs> yeah, the moral of the story is become a vegetarian. Um, and you'll live for a little longer. Need all a this little, goddamn a attention. Little. <laughs> a little Actually, maybe you don't want to be a vegetarian because then you'd be <laughs> you you meet that fate. Like maybe this is actually a, a commentary of how much the yeah, director. Yeah, right. Let this be a warning. <laughs> you don't eat meat. All right, meat's um, gonna eat you. <laughs> die now or die later. Pick one. Um. So these three girls, they get stranded. They blow a tire out in the middle of nowhere. This nightmare scenario I literally just talked about. Um, they have no cell phone signal, and they don't know what's going on, and so they just decide to drink beers and wait, wait for the next car. And it's however long that takes, because I think you know you kind of mentioned Scott that the acting is a little stiff in places, and you know it's not a very big cast mm-hmm. for how long the movie is. It's a pretty small cast an indie film you can tell it's not going to be great everywhere but this is um i don't even remember how my train of thought between where i started and what i just said and i was lost that's how that's how fast it goes what that was bad what just happened 
feeling okay, friend? No, I'm not. Well, oh, what I was going to say is like, it doesn't seem like the sun transitions at all between the two next two shots. Like they start drinking beer and then it, it does a little fade into the next scene and it's just later. And they yeah. explain it like, we haven't seen a car out here. This is the first car we've seen this whole time. And they're like, okay. And so yeah, they, there's no there's no lapse of time with this. Scene. Yeah. It's just like... And don't they have cell phones too? Like, well, they oh, called. they explained it. They didn't they work. No, no they I know. I meant the, like um... to keep track of the time. Oh. Well, no, I I specifically remember. Um, was it Kim or one of them? One of them called um like AAA, right? Specifically name drop like AAA, oh, which is weird. To and me. but they this couldn't find the position. Cool. They yeah, couldn't find it because like, there's oh, no. Oh, she sounds like she's at a bar. Huh. Oh, at a bar. Like later on, the yeah. bar in chapter oh story four. God, dude. I didn't pass the bar. <laughs> it all comes, pass it all comes back. Well, <laughs> what the warrior. fuck? So these girls are waiting on the road, and finally this car comes along. Oh, sweet Jesus, the saints of the desert. Um, and it's this this couple and this is one of those scenes that you watch and you go, this is off. You know, there's something weird about these people. But it's truly one of those ones where you cannot place it. It's just weird. They're just strange. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, they, you know, he had a it's deer a strapped mustache. to the front. You know, it's, it's it's a dude's mustache that did it for me. It's is not it? A trust, it's just not a trustworthy mustache. I mean, when they find the bear trap in the back of the car, it's kind of like, all right, yeah, that's the point where you literally roll out of the car. <laughs> like, Yeah. No, dude, they're for coyotes, bro. They're for the coyotes. <laughs> nah, he did that. Remember that news broadcast? He did that. He did an impression of that news broadcast of the rabid dog guy. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> what he he's did. He's like shaking his head. like going buck wild. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So jump the gun. They they see these people come in. They hail the car over and they they ask for a ride, uh, for some help. And they say, you know, they kind of give some excuses and say, hey, why don't you come to our house and we'll then we'll contact some people and then we can get you all squared away. And at first they're reluctant, and then as they kind of drive off and they're like, okay, and they take off. It's like reality sets in and they go, okay, wait, we'll we'll take your help. And so they hop in the car and they have this weird scene where, yeah, they, they find this trap in the back seat. Um, and there's just this kind of uneasiness to the car ride. It's hard to explain what it is because there is not any particular thing that gets said that you go like, all right, that's weird. Like, oh, red flag. There's just this general uneasiness to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they finally pull up to this house in the middle of the desert. And this is another one of those things where it's just, for me, it hits a weirdly close to home. Like, I had family that lived out in the middle of the desert, like Tucson and, you know, areas of, like, legit boonies. Mm -hmm. And I've been to their houses, and it looks just like this place that they pull up to. Like, it's just in the middle of nowhere surrounded by just low desert shrubs and it's yeah you just feel isolated at night dude it gets so dark out there it's crazy like so they pull up to this house and i'm kind of like god damn this this place sucks (laughs) 
I don't want to be here. This sucks. And they go in. And do you guys, one of you guys, want to kind of take over some of the summary for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Once they get to the house, do you guys remember it? Yeah. So if not, I mean, I got my good old fucking Wikipedia here. Um. So they get to the house and they're at the house and Mustache Man lets them into the house. And then the lady mentions something about their dead friend, Alex. But uh, who's the main character? Sadie. Yeah, She's Sadie. like the only one who seems to care. And everyone else is like, <laughs> so they're obviously they're possessed by the southbound place. Like they're, you know, there's not they're just not human anymore. Whatever it is that they are. Um, uh, they have dinner. Right with a different family that brings their sons, because mm-hmm. the, that family they were the had McKinsey's. the tire. The McKinsey's. Yeah. The, the what? The McKinsey's. Oh no, the Ken, the Kensingtons. Kensingtons. That's what it was. There, there it is. There it is. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they serve them burnt roast beef. Um. But Sadie. The fucking is evangelical. That what you thought it was? Is that what that Wikipedia article says? It's burnt roast beef. Yeah, it says it's burnt roast beef. Oh, I thought that's. I thought it was. That's not what I thought. Uh, no, 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 no. We might we might need to go in and and manually change this Wikipedia. <laughs> You're gonna make some fucking wiki contribution. No, yeah, I gotta. Cause... We gotta call up. Uh, let's see here. Um, director uh, Roxanne Benjamin, uh, Matt <laughs> Bettelini. Oakland well, and David only Brock one of them we got some issues story. going on. Okay. Yeah, only one of them directed this. Part, <laughs> that's not roast Scott. beef. That's not roast no, that, beef. That well, was burnt roast beef. Like it's no, that, that was torched, no. bro. It that was torched. that was human. That was for sure human. And there, there's you know literally. What? Maybe it was coyote. Nah, it was too big. Mm-hmm. Too big. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a lot of coyote. Unless it was like emulsified coyote, like it was several coyotes. <laughs> In, well, I mean, whatever one. it is, it's his own recipe. That, but I swear that when I when I was watching recipe. it, I thought I thought that that was for sure like human meat. Like that was supposed to be something like a that was like rotten meat in Minecraft. You know, like that oh, was yeah. Like yeah. that's not what you. <laughs> that's it. Because then they eat it and they're like, oh, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> and then they throw up black. Like whatever but, that was later. But Sadie is vegan, and she has to mention Vegetarian, that in the dude. She's not yeah. Jesus. She's just like <laughs> an apostle. <laughs> but she has to mention it because it is a little important that she doesn't throw up the black goo, the sludge. Yeah, she looked like that kid in the class that meme where the kids like, you know, and then just got like veins <laughs> and shit. And she's like, I need to tell them I'm vegetarian. <laughs> When it's been three hours and you haven't mentioned that you're vegetarian. <laughs> Dude, can I just say, if we ever went touring and uh-huh. the two of you um, acted like the way, like, of course, I'm Sadie in this story. Like, I'm the main character, just as you're Sadie in your story. But if either of you act like Kim and Ava, like, I'm going to punch you in the throat. There's just like, there's, I'm not, <laughs> I'm throwing you through that window when the twins see me outside and like are peeping yeah. in on me. I'm throwing you through that window. I'm using the other one as a battering ram. Like, cause I'm just not dealing. Like they acted like sh- asshole, man. Oh even, yeah. Even before they were like tainted by the meat and milk 
like it was they were scuffed <laughs> they were shit friends oh yeah oh, yeah Absolutely. well especially when she's like especially when she's like you freaking alex dying is your fault that's kind of an <laughs> asshole thing to say yeah like what the yeah. fuck is this coming from but that was after she had the meat after she ate the meat <laughs> and then the family also so doesn't give a shit they're like oh no it's kind yeah. of a weird sequence of events they're like they eat din- so they get to the house they go into the this this guest room which has two twin beds by the way mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's weird that's weird <laughs> like that's if i weird. went into that room i'd be like this is like my grandma's house and if it's not this place is fucking weird uh-huh and um they go into there yeah they have this little scene where the remember the the, the mom in that situation the part of the not the mom the couple the woman who picks them up i, I don't know why i call her mom but she says to sadie like it's a terrible thing what happened to alex like something like that and none of the other girls hear it only sadie hears it and she's like what did you say and and then like, she didn't say anything sadie you're crazy like, yeah dude <laughs> gaslighting right Being friends but then you know there was another really weird uh quote during the dinner when they're eating the meat is one of the twins says um i thought there was supposed to be four of them four. Or i thought yeah. i thought there was four of them and the and the what the kensington mom like slams a table and she's like boys um and and that's kind of it like they don't really go any further with that so like they yeah this it builds up this weird thing is like they know like people in this in southbound if you get stuck there they somehow just have this this knowledge of you they know your life they know what's going on like there's a reason they're there and i guess there's kind of that instance where when i think it's uh kim and sadie are talking and kim's like you know you caused alex to die it kind of reveals a little bit of the background is like that Sadie went off with this older man, you know, to sleep with him and left Kim and left Alex by herself. And that somehow led to her death. And like now the comment of, I hope the dick was good enough or whatever she said, right. Or was worth it. Right. I'm like, that's a low blow, dude. That's a low blow, dude. (laughs) There are a lot of low blows in this movie. Speaking of another one, I don't know if you guys piece this or just like immediately like recognize this, but the twins struck me as odd and it just hit me till now. I posted a picture of them. Mm -hmm. They look like Kenny. Oh my God. That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, can you see it though, right? <laughs> know, maybe if I, if I squint really hard and don't have my contacts in. It's the jawline. I mean, Corey, Corey sees it, right? It's the jawline. <laughs> yeah, it's the jawline in the nose. Um, so it's it's just this weird, you know, funky dinner this whole time. Um, and the girls eat the dinner. Later on, they start throwing up. There's this kind of spook scene where mm-hmm. uh, Ava's in the bathroom. Yeah, and she's standing there. And again, almost verbatim to the story before it, she's looking in the mirror, she's looking in the bag, and then this thing in the background. It wasn't in the mirror for the scare, but it's still behind her in the bathroom. 
uh, is a, it, it, I guess it was just a person. It wasn't a reaper, but there's, there's a scare in the window. Uh, and then, yeah, it's they like start fucking yeah, shit crawling around. but it was definitely a person, but they were like doing weird contorting things. Like they were like, I would do if I was trying, if I was standing outside of your frosted window, trying to scare you at night. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, they start throwing up because they ate the meat. So Sadie doesn't start throwing up. She starts panicking. She runs into the other room and they're like watching some, you know, hillbilly football or something. I don't know what they're doing. They're just sitting around like talking. Like, I guess you do in the fifties when you don't have electronics. Um, and they're like, Oh, they need medicine. And he pops on up and pours them some glasses of milk. And, and then we do like a hard cut. We hard cut back into the the bedroom and they're wearing different clothes and they're like drinking another glass of milk of medicine. In sync with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the the evil part. That's kind of those scenes though where you go like, all right, we need to do what's creepy. (laughs) You know, and they're like, uh, if they do all this and then they mirror each other yeah that's weird yeah yeah yeah. and they're dressed the same yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. that's fucking weird dude yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um and then and so it's kind of like after this it's just a lot of build-up there's a lot of suspense you know sadie sees the twins outside of her window kind of leering in but not up on the window peeping in they're just they're like standing 40 yards out just looking in the general direction where's the last one of you (laughs) <laughs> there's supposed to be four of you uh, but that freaks her out and she flips all the blinds and she grabs a knife that she found she earlier, earlier that was in one of the cupboards that's one of those weird like alright well you know like that's there for a reason that's like that's if you that was a real life like <laughs> like pre-boss room <laughs> you know what I mean like the the real oh, life like yeah. here's all the health yeah. packs here's all the ammo get ready for the fight there's a save point in the corner yeah because she grabs that knife um she has kind of this this weird nightmare that she bolts up from where uh alex is standing in the middle of the road and she quickly comes up to, on top of her like a, it's a weird nightmare thing she wakes up friends are gone she looks out the window and she sees them walking off with the rest of the family uh into the darkness where the twins were once before and so she gets up and heroically chases after them with her little knife and she sneaks up into the brush and she looks out and and like a like a poor man's uh oh brother where art thou she looks down on a scene of not not the kkk but of like say is it's satanic right like that's yeah some like that's weird kind of, like maybe not satanic maybe the like um esoteric maybe maybe that's yeah yeah the rally um but there's this weird like esoteric ritual going on where they all like draw blood from their hand and uh they're converting sadie's friends into uh i I think demons is what what -hmm. we're going to find out um, that's what I think. That's what I took away from everything. But they they put these weird like things on their head. You know, they like trace these symbols on their head, 
and it feeds uh-huh. it into their like skin. It looks like Ash Ketchum's logo on his hat. And it does. One of Pokemon, you know, it's like the A, but not really any. It's like a triangle, but it's not a complete triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you will catch them all. We will catch them all. <laughs> You'll live forever until you do. We'll live forever. And I want the shiny living decks too. Now start Bitch. with that girl. <laughs> they like snap what? out of it. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They uh, well they they this symbol fades into her into their foreheads and they become demons now and Sadie is is scared she she's in the brush she takes a step back and oh foreshadowing you don't show a gun unless you're gonna shoot it there's a bear trap in the ground and she steps in that and everybody is like huh and snaps their head over and looks at them but only only the two girls only her friends run after her. Um, she failed the quick time event, so yeah. And it was dark. There was no camera. You know, there was there was very little light. But boy, I would give anything to see Sadie's technique for using that knife to open a bear trap. <laughs> but um, you know, movie magic. She gets out of it, and uh, she's running away. Well, not from before. The- not before she fucking punts her friends in the face <laughs> with her bear trap foot. She also <laughs> slashes one of them with the knife. There you go. That's the girl. Uh, and there's a chase in Susan. She runs away. And she, there's another jump scare using Alex, an aberration of Alex. And Sadie runs into the desert for her life. And she's running and running and running until she finally sees a light and a road comes up. And this is where we get our transition from our second story into our third story a very, very brutal tale. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta um, say it's it immediately like kicks off right with with oh, yeah. Sadie getting hit. Also, by uh, car. right before right before Sadie gets whacked <laughs> by the car, you can see the. Uh, you, know, you like that? You like how I said? Oh, whack? really? Yeah. You can see one of the demons in the background. See, I was looking Reaper, for it so. in that scene, but I just couldn't see them. I I, I couldn't. I didn't see it, so you know, I wasn't sure if it was it there. You, fam. See, you know what's funny? Sadie survived the boss fight, but then she dies in the after. Yeah, that's so that, that's yeah. why we said maybe the moral of the story is to eat the meat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> vegetarians. Maybe eat the meat. Maybe eat the, I mean, it, you live forever. It's nothing that bad, right? Well, Sadie's fate Sadie's fate is met in the the beginnings of Lucas's tale. Uh as Lucas is in his car driving down the freeway, he flips through his phone. Uh he flips through several pictures that his wife has texted him. Of a dress yeah, that horny. she's wearing. He's a horn dog. And he looks down at his phone. He has his earbuds in. He cannot hear Sadie or see her. Oh no, he has his AirPods in. He can't hear. He doesn't know the dress. I'm in AirPods. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're, he's got they're like what you're in. wearing. Um, and true. he plows through Sadie without stopping. Whoa, until after dude, is he she even her. of legal age? I'm sure. They bought a Should hotel. Be? They bought a motel room. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, it's hard to see. Yeah, very um, hard to see. So, I mean, like Plowster, and this is one of those most brutal. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of stuff. This is a pretty gnarly hit. Like, they obviously use a rag doll, and mm-hmm. it's pretty good. It's it it does the job really well. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. It. it sells it for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Because she goes flying. I mean, and she hits the ground, and there's this moment of shock where Lucas doesn't know what happened. 
still on the phone with Claire's wife, I think it was her name. And finally he hangs up she, the phone and he she's looking mangled. And I don't know this one at verbatim, so I might kind of gloss over some stuff. So feel free to fill in the blanks. Um, but he gets out of the car and goes to check on Sadie and she's fucked. <laughs> like oh yeah. She yeah. there's this is this is the There's scene. Legs bent in ways that shouldn't yeah. Be bent. This is the scene from you guys seen House of Cards? No. Okay, and sees in the very first episode, Frank Underwood comes out of a house. There's a dog that gets hit by a car, and it's like <laughs> whimpering and crying. You, see, you don't see it on screen. It's not on screen ever. But he walks over and he looks at the cameras. Like there are men who you know, he says some monologue of like there are men who do what needs to be done, and those that that get those that will do the things and then he puts he like kills the dog in the street and it, this is kind of one of those moments though of like <laughs> like they this, like they did that sheriff and daughtry in the movie Django. Shot yes. him like a dog in the street yeah that's <laughs> that's and that's what needed to happen here honestly like <laughs> dude that it was so gnarly what what happened to her and and it gets worse. It just the whole thing gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he hits her, and obviously, first thing to do, call nine one one, and he does. And there's mm-hmm. where the girls were met with, you know, with the inability to find help. He actually gets through, and the police station says that there's not going to be an ambulance out there, or that they can't, or something like that. Thirty minutes or something crazy. So they said you need to move her yourself. <laughs> Which already lets you know yeah. you're not talking to someone. Yeah, that was like that's license. the first red flag. If you don't hear if you if you don't <clears throat> pick up on that, then yeah, you you've he's already been sold on the whole So event. so here's 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 the thing, right? They're asking him to describe the damage he's done, right? And he's like, um, well, she's got a... Well, she's got a contusion right here. Um and he's like listing off all these medical terms and like, what the fuck kind of job does he have yeah right? so if he, he knows this and then he, kn- right. he doesn't know to pick up the body right to just leave that there otherwise he's gonna make it worse yeah well as we see it and even when and later on he knows how to do medical things he can like he mm-hmm. has the ability to perform them it's just like maybe he's a nurse or maybe he is a doctor it's really hard to tell but he he picks this girl up and he moves her into the car and and yet her her legs are mangled in bending ways that they shouldn't, and she's royally screwed. She's breathing. Do the breathing in this whole sequence is like, mm-hmm. like imagine the whole time you're driving, the whole time you're doing anything, and all you hear is I mean, that's essentially what it is, you know? Like mix that in with a bit of gurgling of blood. Like it's nasty. It's not good. But he picks yeah. her up and puts her in his car and drives her into town. He drives, sees the lights off in the horizon. He says, there's a town. I'll drive her there. And he does. And he gets into town. He's still on call with this per- with, with medics. But nobody's in the town. He's driving through and there's nobody around. And he somehow finds the hospital in this deserted town. And he pulls up. And he grabs the body out from the back of his car and he runs in through the doors and he's yelling for help, anybody's help. And he still has his headphones on, so he's still talking to the lady. And the entire hospital is empty. It has been abandoned. There's nobody there. 
And so he frantically, the, the voice on the other end, you know, tells him what to do. And so he takes the girl into an operating room. And as he's walking into the operating room, the weight of finally carrying her in the way that she did snaps her knee in half. Yeah, her knee's like dangling. And begin yeah, dangling, and she begins to lose a lot of blood. And he tosses her up on one of the beds, and day the dangly knee gets thrown up on there. So like I know I know at the time I was I was like completely out of it, but now I'm just hearing like uh Cleveland going now 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 <laughs> as he's like traveling to this like hospital room. That's all I can imagine right now. <laughs> just going now. That was a gnar- like this. This movie has a, several of those just gnarly scenes that you're not expecting that yeah. come out of nowhere. You know, it's not like the rest of the of this movie is gory and gruesome. You know, through and through. Now, yeah. would you say it comes out of nowhere like the car that hit Sadie? Very much, yeah. <laughs> that that leg snapped like the car that hit her. Like, yeah, I I had to skip that scene because it it shows you the leg right it yeah. shows you the leg about to well, come up and you're just it, like Whoa. and it gets worse because because right. then he goes like he asks what to do and they go well do you have something for a tourniquet he goes yeah yeah, yeah. he pulls off his belt and he uh-huh. ties it around her her knee and he pulls it tight and you can hear the bones squish and like crack Ugh. as the leg gets compressed dude it's it's nasty it's a it's hard one really man. really well done and right? it's it's up there in a way that's like, you know, saw you watch for this, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's going to get gory, you know, it's going to get gruesome. So you just, you know, it's like a dude puts his hand in and gets it sawed up his arm. Like, that's what, you know, he sticks it out and it's crazy. You, you, you expect that this is in a way that's way more visceral. That's way more like, it's not the gimmick isn't, this gruesomeness it's just you're watching it unfold it's it's very very gnarly and i I think we were talking about this Corey, of um the 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 graphicness of this scene in specific kind of kind of overshadows and is kind of what makes this movie hard to watch for me because you know there is something about like a reaper just sticking his like little demon yeah. hand down jack's neck right but there's something different about watching someone struggle to get this lady onto a well a that's definitely like you're not into the body horror yeah when, yeah, when, no, when I, we're... I can't, I can't. not yeah. when it's like two people you know like I'll, I'll, i i i'm fine with like graphic stuff so long as it's like all like resident evil you know oh these dogs are coming in i'm gonna like 360 flip and shoot my guns right but oh, if it's you're like talking, you're talking about as long as it's not people like humans yeah. so like like a real yeah well yeah but you definitely have that bias though in horror like if i was gonna if i was going to try and scare you Mm -hmm. i know that i would just do any like i'd lead you into something medical like oh absolutely you your your knees would buckle (laughs) like yeah you you, you take me into like a a hospital room and i'm like fucking i'm out i'm out when um i quit (laughs) there was a uh I was in Hollywood for the filming of this of um, of a movie, and uh-huh. they were filming some hospital scenes, and they were doing it in in an L.A. abandoned hospital that like is decommissioned and used for movies, mm-hmm. but it's a hospital. You know, it's still an old hospital, so like there, where whatever area is not being used is all dark, 
And so even during the day, there are areas that are just pitch black, the middle of the hospital. And I can remember the first floor wasn't being used. So it was lit up enough for you to walk the hallway to get to the elevator to go up to the floor that we were using. Mm-hmm. And so like you would walk along the hallway, do two, two turns down, you know, just if you just walked along the path and just broke the hallway that was lit two turns and you were in the middle of darkness in an abandoned hospital. And it was like, you know, it, it may it, it, haunted or not. It's still creepy. Yeah. You know, there's, no, yeah, there's things like, that are just like it. unsettling. Yeah. It's, for sure. There's, it, there's just an instinctual creep factor about the whole thing. I think it's all the movies we watch and all the, the fucking like the Bioshocks, the oh, what's yeah. behind here? Woo-hoo. It's always the what's what's around the corner and what your can't imagination puts. Just around the so back to Lucas. It, but... He tosses Sadie back up on this table. He puts a tourniquet around her, like squeezes it shut after her knee is literally flopping around. And if any any right minded insane person would go, she's dead. <laughs> like there's no saving her. But it's part of that moment, part of the franticness. And also now, apparently, a surgeon has been listening on the line the whole time and wants Lucas to save her. And so there he walks him through like certain things. Oh, she's not breathing, so he needs to put a tube down her throat. So he sticks he tells him to stick his hands into her throat so he does and opens the pathway and then to take this tube and stick the tube down her throat into her airway so she can breathe and so he does but then during that it gets stuck and he tells him you're both killing her and it's what's keeping her alive it's like what the fuck and so he sticks it in further and then he's like you need to compress the lungs and so then he takes a scalpel he makes an incision along the along the ribs and then he sticks his hand inside of her chest and then physically squeezes the final life out of her lungs you know and it's like the whole time he just got played and then the voices on the other end of the line start to laugh at him Mm -hmm. and so he calls his wife after all this he hangs up and calls his wife and it's the voices still like he doesn't get through to his wife it's just the voices that have been talking to him this whole time but then this is the weird like twist right is he tries to leave through the through the entrance that he came in and it's yeah, locked but like it's locked legit locked like there is a there's chain like a on the outside and, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they tell him finally like something of like he's there for a little bit longer but then they call him and tell him like to go into the locker room and he does and inside the locker room there's a pair of clothes a change of clothes and he puts them on and he, there's keys and he goes outside and there's his car or, a, you know, another a copy. Car, like, yeah. Nobody knows what happened. And he gets in yeah, and they assure him that no one would know and he drives off. And this is one of those cool transitions to the next story. He he drives off talk, or hanging up or having talked to this lady and he hangs up on her and the car drives out of the scene. And then the camera kind of pans down to a to a payphone where the lady hangs up the phone that was just talking to him and it's like i love love the transitions mm-hmm. but now i i find the whole scene you know funny because it's just like after all this gruesome moment he just sits there and he goes i just fucking killed someone and they're like yeah you can leave it's like but I can't. yeah you're right what are, you, man. What you are your uh, yeah you can leave 
Well, what are what are your theories on that? Because I I feel like there's a I understand the the meaning of that. Because mm-hmm. when well, I the way I take it, or, yeah, what do you? How do you, you? I feel like you just kind of voiced it, but well, to me, um, it feels like a continuation from the last story where Sadie escaped her, you know, her quote unquote like her pursuers, and they're not gonna let her go. Right. And we, we know there's something up, there's something wrong with this town, with this whole like southbound highway freeway. Right. So maybe it's not the villagers. Maybe it's actually like whatever demon is possessing them or whatever demons possessing like the highway, the town, the freeway. Um, but it, it wants to make sure she doesn't leave. You know, I, I think that's why this, this story exists because. I don't think sure uh, I don't think job. that she could leave even if she wanted to though because remember they like drove to the same gas station like three times like so, there's no leaving I don't so think gonna, it's like that. I'm gonna I don't combine think both of your guys's oh okay see because okay. I think I think what this story what this is showing is the progression of how southbound works and Sadie I feel like was doomed she was never going to escape partly yeah, what no. you tell her like the reason they got there is because of what they did to alex right mm-hmm. but lucas is i don't know if it's a plan or if it's by happenstance you know he literally hit sadie by happenstance or like she gets away but she can't escape and thus they put lucas on the path or however it works in southbound but i don't feel like he's done something to deserve to be there it could and be, he, and when he it hits Haiti, something though, like, like, well, I think that his effort, like, mm-hmm. even though he didn't save her life, even though that literally the instructions on how to save her life were completely wrong, it was the effort that he put in to save this random person's like life with, on the road. Good intention. He could have easily driven off yeah. in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere. And been long gone. But he didn't. He stopped and he worked through it. He followed the instructions all the way to the end. He went through trauma. And this was like his test. Do you follow through all the way? Or do you stop? And because he followed through. They said alright. Here's your pass. You will never forget this. But you will never speak of this. This is kind of like your own little trial. That you have that you went through. And you came out the other side. Um, and, and I feel like it's, that's the case because in this next story that it leads into, it fills in the blanks of kind of where does this all exist? Like it's not on a GPS anywhere. So is it on earth? Where is it? And, and I feel like this, this answers it because the fourth story, uh, our second to last story of the night is a story about this woman who was talking to um lucas during the last fight she walks out of the payphone and into a bar where there's several other people sitting and there's a a bartender and there's a very specific thing that he says is a the conflict here in the bar between this lady and the bartender is that she didn't shut the door she didn't shut the door real quick um i posted a a picture um as she's walking in you can see a poster for the band that for satan's band Oh it's shit! The white tights. So I, I feel like that's a perfect example. Is like they were destined to be there. You know, they were. It was supposed to be like they were bound. <clears throat> they were southbound. 
I mean, it definitely feels that way. You know, the movie the movie gives off that vibe of like you're here for a reason, right? You don't know what, you don't know what for, but you feel like In this next story, though, we find out a couple things. We find out reasons, and we find out how you can get there, right? This conflict in the bar is that she hasn't shut the door. She needs to shut the door. And she gets into a fight, and they don't shut the door. And what happens? Who comes through that door because she didn't shut it? Danny. Danny. A shotgun-toting man on a mission to find a lost sister and he enters into this bar and this is where we get a weird moment because this dude stands up from a seat and his hand appears to be like his giant claw and he slashes at danny and danny turns around and shoots the hand off of this dude mm-hmm. and and then shoots i think he shoots the guy no he doesn't shoot him in the head he says i'm not sure if i can kill you but I sure know that, it, or I sure do know that I can, that it hurts or something like that. Yeah. So what, the way I interpreted all of this is that they're demons. Like Southbound is inhabited by demons. And that the people in this bar are part of the demons that live in Southbound. And they're its residents and you can only get there maybe it is a physical place i don't really know if it's physical or not mm-hmm. but the way you get there is through these weird mystical means through doors that don't exist there's because then we see later in this scene is the bartender has this tattoo of like a cross and eyes and weird symbols on his hand and he holds it over his eye later on and you can see through his perspective like a hidden door in a wall in one of the establishments in southbound and they go through that door and they enter into like this weird tattoo parlor and this whole time and i'm very much summarizing this story (laughs) Mm -hmm. but danny is searching for his sister and this is where the barkeeper takes him and inside danny finds his sister doing traditional tattooing practices on one of the demons you know and putting in like this weird tattoo uh, like patterns like the dude has on his hand, like the bartender has on his hand. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, tapping away on this dude's back, mm-hmm. doing old school methods. And she looks at Danny like, what are you doing here? Like, this isn't a place for you. This isn't, this isn't meant for you. And in short, Danny can't be convinced to leave. And so he ends up blowing the, the head off one of the demons and getting in the car with his sister and driving off into the desert night. And it's weird. It's like in the beginning, she says, this isn't meant for you. You need to leave. And then once they start driving into the desert, she's like, you can't stop now, Danny. You have to keep going. You can't stop mm-hmm. now. But he does. He stops in the middle of the <laughs> desert. And she has this confession. Do you guys remember the confession? She killed her parents. Yep. Yeah. And he, he tried to tell her, like, explain it. Like, it wasn't your fault. You didn't mean to do it. And she looks at him and says, no, Danny, I wanted to kill my, I wanted to kill them. Like, I did it on purpose. I feel like this is, it tells me, like, she's in hell. Like, she's a part of the demons that yeah. exist. And you're, Danny's not supposed to be there because he's not. A demon you know she says that 
southbound sought her out like found her so i feel like it's just another piece of the puzzle is that this place is just mm-hmm. is a place of demons so to confirm Corey, because you are actually correct um i did look up on imdb right and i looked under trivia just to, uh-huh. just to you know see um, one of the, the trivia facts is the reason why Al makes a big deal of Sandy not closing the door um, is given when Al takes Danny to see his sister, Jesse. It's a hidden door, the same yeah. one that leads to the hidden room where Jesse is. Danny's able to find the bar because it was Yeah, she latched. leaves it open. Yeah, yeah. See, so it's this, I, I really love this, like, how they build out the lore of Southbound, how it's kind of like each story has this, a reasoning as to why, but they don't necessarily like explicitly tell you, you know, you kind of, mm-hmm. I guess in this case, you know, you have to, it's the door, but it's not like they go like lady, Danny did this because it's your fault. You left the door open. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, they, they reach the end of this weird whole event because at the end of this, he drives into the desert. Sister tells him not to stop. He does stop. She tells him that he wanted to kill her, her parents, their parents. Well, I think it was that he went off road. He he went off the freeway. He did a no no. But which... she but she says you can't stop. That's the point. Is once he's in that drive, she's like, you can't stop now, Danny. You got to keep going. Hmm. Because when he does stop, though, those these like a bunch of naked white dudes, and I don't say that like like if I took my shirt off and grabbed somebody. I mean like dudes painted in like weird white paint hmm. and naked like attack Danny and kill him or something like that. Presumably. Yeah. It's weird. Um, and I don't remember what the transition is into the last story to be quite frank. So she takes the car, Jesse takes the car and I believe she goes to like the bathroom or like some diner or something. And she meets our next, uh, family, um, the daughter, I believe. Right. Um, I forget who her name is, but she meets the daughter of a gem. Yeah, gem. And and she looks at it and she goes, "What the fuck are you looking at?" And then like leaves. And then the daughter goes to her family, and that starts her next story, right? That's where it is. So and and our last story, as well as in a way our first story, mm-hmm. if if you want to be weirdly cyclical with it, um, a family, a story of a of you know a, a, a very typical horror-esque trope you know a setup a a family moves to town you know that they've never been to before and they they know nobody in and their house is in the middle of nowhere and it's just weird and creepy vibes Mm -hmm. uh and it and this is one of those stories that it doesn't waste any time which i thought was funny like this family gets into town they've never been there and then they go to their house that they've never been to and they like they're sta- they're in they they just they're moving in. It's the first night there, and it's like immediately twenty minutes later. <laughs> there's this like they have the weird wrappings on the walls, you know, and mm-hmm. the knocks on the front doors. And this is another man. This is like one of those just instinctually scary things, you know. It's it doesn't have to be done well. It just being done at all can get your mind racing. Of like, we've all had those moments of being home alone and hearing mm-hmm. a noise and not being able to place its origin. 
and it's just weird and you get those weird vibes you know mm-hmm. i've had i've had days where like my brother doesn't tell me he went out or something and i'm by myself and i hear a noise i'm like what the fuck i'll grab my bat <laughs> like ready to go <laughs> So like this stuff, it's it's weird. It's it's just like just instinctually weird feelings. And so this family is there, and they're they're hearing knocks on the doors, and then they look, and there's nobody there. Um. And finally, they they see one of somebody outside when one of the the knocks come on one of the back doors or front door, I forget. And they but they see one of the assailants, and it's this dude wearing a mask. I couldn't actually tell if it was a mask at first. I thought it was yeah. just this weirdly yeah, it, faced it's, thing. It's hard until they get closer, right? I almost like, feel like if it wasn't a mask, if it was, that's just what their face looked like. It would be mm-hmm. even weirder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they but that's, take off their mask, and it's the fucking and it's the reapers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or the or the the reaper flaps like, <laughs> and it's <laughs> oh, dude. and it's the oh. mask. <laughs> Uh, but I, I feel like if you if you ever want to make anything weird, weirder or scary, just add just add a plastic presidential mask, and it's just it's automatically yeah. scarier for some reason. Yeah. Um. But so the these assailants have stalked this family down and now are are harassing them and attacking them, and they finally do break into the the house and they. It's it's kind of hard to explain. I don't remember like play by play, but they tie up the wife and and the father and the daughter kind of escapes and attacks one of the dudes. But then they're like said, you can run away. And but she doesn't run away. She comes back. She tries to be like the the hero. The hero. Yeah. And then she dies. She gets stabbed in the gut. But there's this moment. So they're tied up. The the father and the wife are tied up. And the dudes with the mask take their mask off. And it even before that, I guess, is still in mask, a guy shows the picture of the girl from the very beginning of the film. And so you know now the whole cycle has been completed. You know who these people are. But to sell the point, they raise their mask and you see um, you see Mitch from the beginning of the film. And then Jack raises his mask too, and they, the mo- the wife and the father, the wife and husband know what this is about because the wife looks at the husband and is like, knows what's going on. Like I thought that you like before she can finish a sentence, they shove like a thing down her throat. Mm-hmm. Um. But like they know about the daughter, they know about the girl. There's something that they know about this girl, and then, yeah, the the husband the convinces them to let the daughter escape, and he says thank you, and then they stab him to death. Um, and then she tries to come back and be a hero, and she gets stabbed, and then that's where it's like this cyclical event where now Mitch and Jack and their friend who was also with them and third guy who was there yeah. all along <laughs> and um, third guy they but the jack and mitch witness the wife and husband like the reapers come out of their bodies mm-hmm. um and then the rumbling on the ground and the hole opens up outside in like the driveway 
and they hop in the pickup truck and they pull out just in time and then it's like all connected they drive down the road and it fades into the morning and we have and then they the beginning a of the film night. <laughs> so i feel like when you when you talk about it on on paper it's very cool it's very interesting you know it all connects very well but I think you're right. There are there's aspects of it that are just a little too crude, like a little too indie, um, and you know just lack that 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 extra grade of of production that would put it, you know, at a really really interesting level. I'm not sure how many if it's won any awards or anything. You guys were looking at the IMDb's, so um, maybe you guys could tell me. Yeah, let I me think check it's real quick. greatest accolade was that Jordan Peele said it was a hidden gem. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> well, what do you guys think? You guys have any anything you want to talk about? Anything about the film? Um, so, originally, when I was talking to you, Corey, I said I didn't like the movie. Right? <laughs> I did not like the movie. I didn't, yeah. right? Um, there were a lot of things that struck me as odd. The cat, like the acting, is a little weird. And now that you said it was an indie film, I can kind of see that, it, like it's it's stiff because, in in some scenes it is stiff, but some people or some some actors end up making it work. Like in the um, you know, the now third scene, uh, you know, with the the gruesome body and whatnot, right? Um, but after us talking about it, I do have a little more appreciation for the film for how much they snuck in because it did it did zoom past my head you know um i guess zoom past my head and i'm fine with that you know i'm fine with talking about it now in a better light um and it it has made me appreciate the film a little more am i gonna watch it again no but <laughs> dude we're gonna have a, um we're gonna it, have it so is... much to talk about next week if this movie yeah. went over your head ooh, next week's <laughs> movies is... well i mean it <laughs> At first, like, the first two didn't scare me. The first two were like, okay, well, I mean, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of interesting concepts, right? Yeah. It's a little wordy, and, like, it wants to just gargle out information with the second um, story, right? Of, like, oh, your friend, your friend, your friend, your friend. Clearly, Sadie's the only one that cares about this to a huge degree because she feels like it's her fault. Um, But... Overall, I, I, it, it is a hidden gem, I would say. You know, if, if you're looking for something different, I, I would say this is a good movie about it uh, to go watch, right? But uh, yeah. in terms of... The movie moves of... fast, too. Like, that's yeah. the, like because, it's, because it's broken up in this anthology kind of setting, you know, three mm-hmm. to five different stories, you know, it, it, it moves very, very quickly. You know, I, I reached the fifth the fifth story and i was like all right there's got to be like maybe another half 40 minutes half hour nope we're in the last 20 minutes like this is it last story Mm -hmm. so i like that about it though is that you know you spend an hour and a half almost two hours and it it doesn't feel like you sat down for a long time you know one story might not might be better than another but because it's like it's almost like radio you know you don't know what you're gonna get but you're in here for the long haul you just deal with it and you pay attention and then you get your payoff with a new story after mm-hmm. okay so the only thing i've seen here is the film was included on numerous best horror films of 2016 lists including mm-hmm. those by rolling stone and buzzfeed and the Thrillist. but that's really it um it released to a 
Oh, I feel bad. This movie didn't make that much. Well, it's because it, it's probably a festival film. Yeah. That didn't yeah. get picked up or didn't do something. Played on, you know, it's on Hulu, you know, so you're not you don't know how much it got paid for the hulu or how much it gets paid for the hulu streams and stuff like that that's kind of where like box office stuff is is weird to read nowadays because like how do you how do you how do you quantify the box office for like shang chi that released Mm -hmm. on disney plus and in theaters you know it had like a 50 million box office this year but it would have had way 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 more but it's streamed, and you can't really quantify that very well. Of course. Of course. What do you think, Alfie? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about this film? Anything we didn't cover? Um, I uh, I like films like this that kind of loop around like this. Like, there was one, I think I made you watch it a few years ago. It's called Triangle. I don't know if you remember it. I don't remember, no. Um. Well, we can watch it some other time, but it pretty much, like... It, it reminded me a lot of uh, that movie. Um, so I like I like trippy themes like that. I like shit where there's obviously something paranormal or not even just paranormal or like occulty or like like it doesn't have to do with demons or anything. But like when there's something off or when there's something that has yet to be explained. Um, yeah, I find that really intriguing, like um Annihilation is another movie like that where you're just kind of left to your own devices to figure out what like you you're kind of left to fill in blanks on your own mm-hmm. um and like the the movie will provide you with a little bit of context every now and then, but it's uh quite scarce mm-hmm. um i like I like movies like that that don't feel the need to explain to you or at least don't outright tell you they like they show they don't tell and that's uh that's a cool tactic to me. Yeah, these um the directors and and the creative minds behind this movie, if I remember right, they were uh they worked previously on a series called VHS. Oh, we've um, seen that. Yeah. But after so this movie came out and then when I was doing like research, you know, reading articles and stuff at the time of this movie, they were already promoting a new VHS movie that was coming out like VHS 4. And that was supposedly had inter, like interspliced time uh, stories similar to how Southbound is. So maybe Southbound was kind of like the initial, like, you know, proof of concept before they apply it to VHS 4. So maybe that's something we should check out sometime. I'd be down. I'd be down. Yeah, right. I concur. I very much concur. Um, I did want to ask overall, uh, how, did, how did we feel about the movie outside of me? Because I, I do I do like this movie. Would I skip the third act, um, which is called uh, The Accident? Um, yeah, I would skip The Accident. But, you know, that's just my personal bias. <laughs> I, I thought it was good. I, I thought, you know... There are some obvious downfalls, but you can get over them. If we're thinking, if we're, if I'm speaking objectively, I give this movie like a seven out of ten, maybe a six and a half. It's it's interesting, but it's not it's not on par with like The Shining. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's a different movie than that. You know, you can tell that it was set under different parameters, but 
in terms of like if I was sitting around in a college dorm and I needed something to watch with a bunch of guys, I'd throw this on because it's like you get something different every couple minutes. It's constantly changing, makes you think. Good jump scares, good gore. You know, maybe maybe six and a half is wrong. Maybe like a seven out of ten is just a good scoring. Seven out of ten. That's what I'll give it. Seven out of ten. Uh, which I'll one? It, I'll give it five. I'll give it five Reaper entrails out of seven. Should we change it? Should we change to one out of five? Should we? Should we change to, to like one out of one to five? Because I feel like we never use one to five. <laughs> well, I mean, I gave it a five out of seven, so make it that what you will. Okay, so three out of five. Got it. <laughs> Because if I was going to go through you 1 out of 5, I give it a 3 out of that. 5. I give it a 3 out of 5 on a 1 through 5. You know, four, it's not <clears throat> spectacular okay. like a 5 out of 5. Yeah. I wouldn't watch it again like a 4 out of 5. But it, it it's definitely not a 2 out of 5. It, it went yeah. for a concept and it pulled it off rather well. I mean, I, I would definitely have to agree with that. It's, it's a movie that knows what it wants to present. Is it presented like perfectly not entirely um there are some nitty-gritty that you can oh um, scott doesn't like sweet. dislocated kneecaps <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry all right so next week we're watching <laughs> we're, Damn, scott, we're wa i think in a way that's uh, quite ableist of you we're, wa we're watching <laughs> medical er diaries next week for this show <laughs> next week we're watching uh human surgeries just to fuck with Scott. <laughs> no, next week we are uh, taking another step into the Kubrickian universe. Uh, this time with kind of the, well, not the first film. He had a, he had a couple before that that were really big. But I feel like 2001 is such a, a landmark film when it comes to the landscape of cinema that it's... It's largely probably one of his most recognizable films, uh, mm -hmm. 2001: A Space Odyssey. That's uh, that's what we're going to be covering next that week. We could fake the moon landing. Yeah. So, um, that's going to be a, an adventure. It's going to be a, a in a trek that I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about by the end of it. So. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, it might need to be a double feature podcast or something. Yeah, grab grab some popcorn, grab grab fourteen I'll gallons of water. I'll definitely make sure that grab I'm a, much more energetic than, than I am now. For <laughs> um, that one, I'll have notes that aren't on Wikipedia. Yeah, because you, you, you got to do some research beforehand. Almost, I almost don't want you to do any research, Scott. I just want you to watch the film and then come in on next Wednesday and ask all your questions because you will have okay. questions. <clears throat> Okay, I, yeah. I am gonna write it down just to just to. So let me let me pop it over. An epic drama. So next week, on uh, on the the tenth. I don't know why it says seventh. Should be the on the tenth. We will be doing our very first, or we'll be doing two thousand one: A Space Odyssey um hope everybody is there to join us hope you, you can find the time to watch this uh 
both the first half, the intermission, and the second half, and come in next Wednesday ready to talk about this film. I know I'll be... We are the Paradise Podcast Network, and we will see you all next week, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks, man. You too.